Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've got a very special guest today, Professor King's Council. Mr. John Cooper is in the house. He had connections with the Peaky Blinder set up in Birmingham, and the prosecutor pinned me against the wall and said, all you're interested in is acquittals, isn't it? And I always treated Bernard with, with respect, gave him a hard time, but right. he was always professional. Mia Betts went into this club. But it was the catalyst for a lot of activity later, wasn't it? Because he said it was Tony Tucker and the Essex Boys drugs that were being sold in that club. Seemingly were connections between the events that happened at Essex Boys and, and the Leia Betts incident. There was obviously the conspiracy theories. Mickey Steele and Jerry Wyman did it. A firm did it. Police did it. Mickey, Mickey Steele. I advised on the appeal. Another Essex boy, Billy Murray. <laughs> I represented the majority of the bereaved families in the Manchester Arena bomb inquiry. £100,000 or a million pounds worth of drugs. You can only imagine what that looks like, but a billion. We're talking shiploads, you know. <laughs> We're not talking small boats either. The biggest development in criminal detection, your mobile. I've got them acquitted. They say, thanks very much, Mr. Cooper, but you know I did it, don't you? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back to the Criminal Connection podcast. I'm the podfather, Terry Stone. And uh, we've got a very special guest today, um, a professor at King's Council. Mr. John Cooper is in the house. And where are the applause? I just Woo-hoo! thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I can't have an, I can't have an so introduction like that and then dead silence. Don't worry, there'd be a drum roll and everything. Well, I should hope so, uh, at the very <laughs> least. I mean, the big build-up then, and it's just tumbleweed. <laughs> um, so yeah, John, look, it's it's a real pleasure to meet you. Um, and uh, what what sort of fascinated me was when I looked up, you know, your your resume, um, you know. I was blown away by the amount of cases you've worked on and the amount of cases, you know, you've defended and prosecuted. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, when you was at school, did you know that you was going to be a lawyer? About from the age of of eight, uh, I wanted to be a barrister. Now, I come from a working-class background, so there were no lawyers uh, or let alone barristers in my family. Let's talk about your family, you know... um, what sort of family was you born into? Working class family. Mum, mum, dinner lady, although a very talented dressmaker as well. Right. And my dad was a, was a shop worker. Right. Um, uh, if you go a little further back, right. it gets a little more dodgy. Right. But you may want to explore that later. Uh, John, you've, you've j- got just me keeping excited. you on the hook here. Just keeping <laughs> you on, 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 John, on the hook. You've got here. me excited now. You've got to spill the beans. What was what was the the dodgy part? My my <laughs> great grandfather. I think it was great grandfather. Right. Uh, used to be a bear fist fighter. Right. on the canal towpaths of Wolverhampton where I was b- brought up. He always used right. to tell me that they always fought on the apex of a canal, one canal meeting the other in the, in, in the, in the middle. And I asked him why that was. He said because when the coppers came, they could all run off in different directions <laughs> and it was easier for them to get away. Right. Um, and he had connections, although he was based in Wolverhampton, he had connections with the, the Peaky Blinder uh, set-up in Birmingham. Oh. And so uh, if you go a little further back in my history, right. you find people involved with the law, but not quite involved with the law as, <laughs> as, 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 as I am. Right. But mum and dad are normal working class people, right, okay. um, no lawyers in the family, uh, right. one of the first uh, in the family to go to, to uni. Right. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid at primary school, so again, we're going back to when I was seven or eight, I used right. to get into a little bit of trouble. You wouldn't know this, Terry, but you, know. you, you, you're probably a star, a star pupil. But Yeah, I used to have a halo. I used to polish it every no, day. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'm rather embarrassed, embarrassed to say I was some form of juvenile delinquent at school. Uh, and uh, But on one occasion, on one right. occasion, I was accused of something I hadn't done. Right. Uh, sound familiar? Right. I was, acu- I, was, I was accused of something that I hadn't done, and I was right. absolutely sure I hadn't done it. Right. I even had an alibi. Right. I was... Uh, home with my mother and father right. um, and it was throwing a stone at someone right. and I just stuck to it and stuck to it and stuck to it and the headmistress said to my, to my mother you know one day he's going to be hanged <laughs> and that was just you can date me now uh, wow. th- th- and that was just before capital punishment was abolished in the 60s one wow. day he's going to be hanged what a thing to say 
uh, uh, to the parents of, of an eight-year-old. Oh, but they were so proud of you. <laughs> you know, it, well, my mother He's said, that, that's, that's my boy. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my boy. Um, uh, but, uh, so I wish I could actually say to you that I come from the annals of, right. of, of deep learning and the law <laughs> and that sort of thing, but uh, that's a potted history. What, what, what was the thing that made you think, maybe I want to be a barrister then? What was the... What was the calling? Uh, it was watching, as I say, the programme uh, of uh, Crown Court, saw right. barristers portrayed and the Crown Court system portrayed very accurately. Right. It's being repeated now on TV and it yeah. is a very accurate portrayal. One right. of my bugbears there actually about badly portrayed right. uh, court drama. Right. Uh, there's too much of it. But Crown Court was well portrayed. I got a taste for it as a kid. Right. was always late for school in the senior school because it was on at lunchtime, so I used to watch it till five to two <laughs> and then run hard to get to school right. for two o'clock. Right. Uh, and uh, then just ended up at uh, during school holidays. Right. Not all during school holidays, right, okay. but popping into the local court right. in Wolves to, to sit at the back right. as unobtrusively as I could. It wasn't always that easy, though. Because the courtroom in Wolverhampton had lino floors. Remember right. lino? Did yeah, yeah. we still have a lino? I don't know, but had lino floors, which squeaked. Yeah. So every time I walked into court in the middle of the trial to kind of <laughs> unobtrusively sit in the middle, there's this kind of squeaking noise. Right. And I remember the judge looking at me like this. And was my people say, well, when did you first address a judge? What was the case? And I always remember the first time I addressed a judge was when right. I was about... 16 or 17 when the judge told me to sit down and shut up and I had to apologize <laughs> but I you know got to know what the courts were like enjoyed uh, the right. process uh, I, I'd always in, enjoyed research and reading and that sort of thing but I right. was also a great fan of the performance art I right. considered being an actor at one stage right. and um, decided that this was the job for me at a very very early age and the right. more people told me that people like me never worked out quite what a person like me was, but right. that people like me, and I presume they mean my background, class right. background, didn't become barristers, right. the more I was determined to be a barrister. I mean, for instance, if they'd have said, people like you don't become uh, acrobats, I'd probably be an acrobat now. Right. That's the sort of personality I've got. I'm yeah. quite bloody-minded about these things. Do you know something? I, in, in a weird sort of way, I had a similar thing at my school where they they... When I sat in front of the careers officer, he said, what do you want to be? And and the only thing I really liked was boxing. And I yep. said, I wouldn't mind being a boxing promoter or a boxing manager. Yep. And then they actually read that out in assembly and went, oh, we've had some really good people saying what they want to do when they leave school. And then we've had some really stupid things that people have said. And they read mine out. And I actually sat there and I just thought, you're, you're a teacher on whatever you're on a year. Yeah. You're Just because you don't think what I want to do fits in your box... You know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't encourage me, just like you. Yeah. And and it's it's that thing where people get these blinkers on, and I think anybody can achieve anything. And like you, John, yeah. when people say you can't do something, you go, really? No, no, Watch well, me. It's, a bit, it's a bit like the old Bob Monkhouse joke, which I'm going to completely destroy now. <laughs> uh, but apparently Bob, Bob, Bob Monkhouse was told by people when he first started out, you'll never be a comedian. Right. And of course he was a super comedian. And, he, and then he added, well, they're not laughing now. Right, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the fact is, it's, it's sometimes you need to have that, that Philip, that determination, and that I don't know motivation. I think it is, isn't it? But I think if if I, but I genuinely think for all the people that us mm. that have gone, thank you for your advice, but no thanks, and we've just done it anyway. I do think if people did encourage people in school, 
if that's what you want to be, go for it. Do you know what I mean? Then you get more people probably having a go. Well, one of the uh, things that I do now in, in my career and in my life is the result of, of, of this sort of thing. Right. I'm very active in charities and work trying to encourage people, right. particularly people from state school backgrounds, right. uh, that haven't always had the advantages and the encouragement uh, uh, to proceed, uh, to, to, to get into the worlds where they feel they might not be able to get into, to encourage them. And I've worked very hard in doing this, and I continue to work hard in, in making yeah. the law more widely available to young people who want to, to work in it and practice yeah. in it. And nothing gives me a, a greater thrill to see these young people that I've worked with now, uh, 10 years later, actually in the job. Right, right. And I'll tell you a very, very brief story. Uh, one of the things that I'm very vocal about, I've written in The Times about it and various other magazines about it, is that you don't have to put a posh accent on to address the court, you know. Why not? You know, have you ever Why seen not? someone do this? <laughs> Members of the, I mean, uh, what is this? What, what is this all about? A bit like the gavel. We don't have gavels, folks. Don't tolerate the gavel in drama. It's a little thing for me. Uh, but but, but it, it's, it's, it was, it's just that I... I, I you don't talk posh, you talk in your own accent, as I'm right. talking now. Right. You have to be far broader than this, but it's, I mean, this is quite posh for me. <laughs> um, but I, I, I met a QC very, very recently indeed. Right. It was prosecuting me in quite a high-profile case. And he said to me, he said, you know, it was what you did some years ago about saying that it didn't matter whether you had an accent in coming to the bar, right. you could still achieve... And you could, you, it's, 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 it's important you keep your own identity. Right. And, and he said, it's because of you right. that I carried on. Now, there's a two-strand thing to this. One, it made me feel old, so that's the right. bad strand. <laughs> but two, it made me feel very proud that there's one example of someone who's flourished in the profession right. that did so because of a little thing that I might have said or written right. about not being put off by accents and, yeah. and, and not talking to some... Uh, a pompously unrealistic way. Well, I also think as well, you know, if you have a jury, it's a mixture of people. So, mm. um, and I do think sometimes, you know, that sort of pompousness and like you said, that sort of, you know, we're better than you sort of thing, it doesn't resonate with the jury. So I think sometimes if if, if you are just, you know, you, you, you're more relatable, I think, if you if you don't do that personally. Well, no, just, you, uh, uh, yeah. you're right, but also you sometimes, being a barrister, advocacy. There's also tricks of the trade, and I right. remember doing a case in, many years ago in Wolverhampton, right. on my hometown, and there was a barrister there who was based in Birmingham, and he saw my address because I practice out of London, always have done, and he saw my address as a London barrister and thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll take advantage of it perfectly properly, all right. was fair in love and war in front of the jury, and I'll come out as the the local man, and he'll come out as this London uh, carpetbagger mem <laughs> who members of the jury you're you're not, you're not to to listen to. I'm the local man. He hadn't realised my Wolverhampton roots. Right. You know, I was born and brought up for 17 years in that place, and right. proud of it. Big wool supporter. Season ticket holder, I begin to right. regret it a little at the moment, but right. big season ticket holder. But the point I'm making is he started with the uh, address to the jury. Members of the jury, this is about, he's prosecuting. Members of the jury, this case is about X, Y and Z. It, it took place just in the city centre, right next to, uh, to, to Beatties. You know Beatties, don't you, members of the jury? Right. We all used to go there as kids. Tried that game. Right, right. So uh, uh, I stood up and... Uh, Remember, he's thinking I'm some, some L London bloke coming here and knows nothing about Wolverhampton. Right. So I stood up and I said, members of the jury, well, any friends absolutely right to say this event took place outside Beatties. 
to be more precise, just near the statue of Prince Consort's horse. You know, where we always have to have sly drags of a cigarette after school. <laughs> you know the horse, don't you, oh, members right. of the jury? And this other barrister looked at me and, as if to say, I thought you came from London. And we had a laugh and joke because right, it's, it's, right. it's a bit like boxing in many respects. Right. Once the bell sounds for the end of the round, right. well, professionals don't take it any further. You, right, you, right. you know, there's the end of the, 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 the fighting. It's a bit like us with barristers in many respects. We had a laugh and joke outside afterwards. Right. He said, you rather sucker punched me on that, didn't you? I said, well, <laughs> you laid yourself open for it. Right. I said, and listen to the accent. Right. But, in, you know, going back to what you were saying, Terry, about boxing and stuff, right. there is a similarity right. between the approach taken to boxing, professional boxing, right. and the approach taken to advocacy in this country. Right. We have what we call an adversarial system in this country. Right which is different to the European system, which is called inquisitorial system. Right. It's a bit like, kind of like, here comes the law now. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, adversarial means you have two barristers who are opponents. Right. Uh, inquisitorial is when you're two barristers there trying to assist the judge together. Right. So in our country, we have this sort of fight situation between right. two barristers. But uh, nine times out of ten, when the case finishes, you're still the best of eights. You still right. walk out. But it's right. very similar to to organise sport. There are right. occasions, of course, where you do fall out. Right, right. I remember one particular trial when uh, I was uh, defending quite a high-profile trial some time ago, and we got uh, an acquittal, right. and the prosecutor pinned me against the wall. <laughs> uh, literally pinned me against the wall in the robing room right. and said, uh, all you're interested in is acquittals, isn't it? Right. And all I could say was, duh. <laughs> Defence barrister. Right. You know, uh, you know. Uh, so it did spill over a bit there, right. Uh, right? Which was disappointing because we'd got on until then, right? Got on until I beat him. Until he lost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I was, I was. So, so obviously, you've you've decided after watching, being influenced by the television, to to, to go into law, um, and then you went through school. Um, what, what, did you pass? Sort of. Was you academic? Did you sort of? <laughs> Best with a question. Um, at primary school, I failed my 11 plus. Right. And I failed my 11 plus because I was effectively a juvenile delinquent. Right. I, I didn't concentrate right. at school at all. Right. Teachers didn't answer my questions. I was bored, etc., right. etc. Et and I just revolted or was right. revolting. <laughs> I remember. Do you remember Wendy Houses? I don't know if anyone's uh, listening or watching remembers Wendy Houses. Bear with well, me. I know it sounds weird, but I actually wanted one. Well. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't I, know why. I don't know. I, 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 I suspected as much. I can spot them right. a mile off the Wendy House lovers. But the girls, and this was in those days where, you know, girls did what girls were supposed to do and boys did what boys were supposed to do. It's far more enlightened now, obviously. But the girls would go to the Wendy Houses and make tea for their dolls. Right. Sounds awful when you say it now. And it was. And the boys would go to carpentry. Right. So I remember going to carpentry, getting two sticks, putting a nail between the stick. Right turning it into a gun, <laughs> and I used to raid the Wendy house. I used, I used to enjoy kicking the door down <laughs> and raiding the Wendy house. I, w I, was, I was caned for that, by the way. Wow. Do you yeah. know, sir, I, I didn't do anything as extreme as that. That's I not went, extreme, the that's imagination. No, no, but the reason I liked going yeah. into the Wendy house, because yeah. I wanted to play doctors and nurses. <laughs> Turn this round. I'll start asking questions now. When did this? When did this? This, this first uh, show itself, Terry? That's why yeah. I like the Wendy houses. That's why it wasn't because I wanted to be in the Wendy house, but I wanted to play doctors and nurses when I was younger. Uh, 
And I wanted to be a doctor, but then I realised you need a qualification to be a doctor. You had to go to university, and it wasn't for me. So, well, let me just throw this one out there. <laughs> and you, you've got Terry's address. If anyone can say, do Wendy houses still exist now? That's what I wanted. Yeah, because they sort of vanished, didn't they? I mean, they did yeah, vanish. They've, they've actually vanish. gone, haven't they? And uh, yeah, maybe there's a, there's, there's, there's a reason now that we can get Wendy houses back. And, uh, for for boys and for girls, I should say. Yeah, for boys and girls. And, and you know, there's boys that want to kick the doors in. Yeah. <laughs> they guns yeah. and say, nobody move. It's true. I went to, the, uh, I went to the, the, the carpentry and I thought, well, it's a simple thing. There's a stick, there's a stick, put a nail in it. You don't have nails in schools now. Put yeah. a nail in it. And I had the right. two-handed hold. I was, right, right. you know, I mean, you know, I, I was showing an <laughs> aptitude then. Uh, and the door, by the way, didn't need kicking down. I know, it was but, just a flat, wasn't it? Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but I'd seen it happen on the movies. Right, right, so I right. thought, you know, you don't knock on the door. You've got to no, kick got the to door kick down. You've kick the door down. <laughs> Problem is, when I kicked the door down, the whole Wendy house facade nearly <laughs> fell over as well. But made me feel good. And do you know what? If I'd have been in there, I'd have been straight on it because I'd, yeah. I'd have been the doctor, so I could have... Well, you'd you know, have been... The, yeah. Absolutely right. You'd have been the doctor that would have sorted it out. Um, I don't know. In those days, I'm talking about the 60s now, I'd probably have... Knocked the tea set to one side, you know, oh. and uh, probably sworn at someone. To, 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 <laughs> you can't swear in this, I, I guess. But you can, you can say whatever you I like. Can't, no, no, I, I wouldn't. It's I, an 18 rated podcast. No, so. I just tell them to get on the floor face okay. down and, uh, <laughs> and hold my gun at them. Then the right. teacher would come and get me by the ear <laughs> and take me out. I'm not you, recommending this, by the way, for any other children to do. I, should, I, should I, do, I do think, though, those were the good old days when oh. if you was bad at school, you got caned. That's uh, when there was discipline oh, no, and there was no, respect. No. <laughs> Beating kids with sticks. Can I just say, I've, I've, I wrote a book uh, called Article 3, uh, The Prohibition of Torture, Inhuman and Degrading Treatment for a Serious right. mo Moment, and that covered that uh, the beatings that went on in schools, uh, certainly right. in, uh, an, uh, a little further back than that, uh, you know, teachers that actually got sadistic pleasure beating children. There was a lot of... Uh, the, in, in those sort of boarding... Places in the children's homes where the kids did get beaten. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, uh, yeah. and there's, there's no place, in my view. I mean, I think be serious yeah. now. There's, yeah. there's no place for beating children, and yeah. in, in, in some respects, if, if an adult does that, it's a sign of defeat anyway. That's the right. only way they can get the the message over. I was caned on numerous occasions. Right. I remember being sent for caning once. I got so bored by it. Right. Uh, I was sent for caning. Uh, you know, it was a situation. Oh, you, John, again, is it? Right. Uh, and this time, I didn't even go. I just right. went. I went out, walked around the school playground, came back to school, uh, came back to class, and they said, "Have you been caned, John?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." And then oh, sat yeah, down yeah, again. Yeah, 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 oh, terrible. No, but I wasn't very good. <laughs> I wasn't a very good actor then. I just said, "Yeah, yeah," looking totally cool and relaxed. And it was clearly I hadn't <laughs> been caned. And then uh, the 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 caner came in and said he never turned up. And I was given a reprieve. It's like people that when you try to hang them, if you can't hang them after three attempts, you're given a reprieve. <laughs> they, they gave me a reprieve on that one. Wow. And then, and then, uh, did did you, as you went through school, then did 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 that change when you got a little bit older? When you did GCSEs? <laughs> Bloody well, I hope so. Well, actually, no, no, it was O levels, wasn't it? O levels. It was O levels, and mm. and, and yeah, yeah, it did, it did change. And 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 what the key was, I went to comprehensive school and started in the middle stream, which was those that failed the, the, right. the 11 pluses. And then within months, I was going up the streams. Because, and the key to it was the teachers were taking an interest in me. Right. When I asked questions, I didn't change. Well, I right. didn't kick the Wendy House doors down then, but they didn't have right. Wendy Houses. You were blowing them up. God help, <laughs> God, God help them. God help them if they had Wendy Houses. It would have been carnage again. Right. Uh, but seriously, 
I did what I always did, and right. I asked questions. But this time, the teachers right. took an interest. They sometimes stayed after class and dealt with my questions. And uh, I developed an enthusiasm for learning right. because my teachers had an enthusiasm for teaching. Got it. And so I blossomed in that system. Yeah. And I'm a big supporter of the comprehensive school system. I know there are good and bad schools, right. but I'm a big fan of the comprehensive school system because had it not been for the comprehensive school system, I wouldn't certainly be where I am today because I would have been on the, on the scrap heap. In the canal. Uh, with the well, well, I'd have, I, well, I'd have been on the canal doing bare fist fighting. Uh, and I'm not sure that I'm built for that. But uh, I can spin, you know, right. I, can, I can do all that sort of stuff. In the, uh, but I, I, I don't think bare fist fighting. Right. Uh, although, as I say, my grandfather was only four foot nine, five foot. Wow. Um, but no, I, I failed the 11 plus. I'd have been in secondary modern at the time. Right. There's glass ceilings that in those days that it was hard to break through. Right. And I would not have broken through them. So... I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the comprehensive system uh, was the making of me. Right, amazing. And 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 then you you you, you finished your O levels, and then back then did you do A levels or did you go to law school? Did no, you, I did which I went straight on to A levels. Right, and then and then from there, then you decided actually I want to go to law school. In those days, and we're talking now about the the early eighties. Right. In those days, gap years hadn't happened, and, right. and and you were encouraged if you knew what you wanted to do to get on with it. Right. And so I went uh, to university, right, uh, and did well there. And in fact, only a couple of years ago, won an award for alumni's, uh, one of the alumni of the year in terms of contribution I'd made to the profession wow. I chose. Wow. But, and that university have given me this. Uh, on revisiting role uh, at their place as well, um, at Newcastle University, right. and uh, went on from there to study and become a barrister. I know when I know other, pe other friends of mine that have gone through, studied law, and then they've either become a lawyer or a barrister, um, you know, or they've ended up becoming a judge. You know, they've gone mm. through that system. Um, did you know what sort of law you wanted to? to do? Was it always going to be criminal? Pretty clearly, a criminal human rights. I, I, it probably wasn't called human rights then. I think right. it was called civil liberties and that sort of thing. But I was always one that wanted to represent the person who was being um, uh, pressured, bullied, right. intimidated, be it be it through uh, human rights work, right. uh, the, the government and the state, or be it defending against uh, allegations that the state were making. Right. Uh, I'd always wanted to be a defender. Uh, in my career development, though, I prosecuted as well because you're expected to do that. To do that, and it, it makes you more of a rounded advocate if you've prosecuted because you know what right. moves the prosecutor are going to make. Right. So I, I, I did have a period of time for about seven or eight years where I prosecuted and defended, right. and then I moved to a set of chambers which just defended, right. which made me more comfortable. But I always remember you know, the pleasure, and I mean the pleasure, of representing many, many uh, uh, clients whether they were guilty or not, they were absolutely uh, charming and uh, to right. deal with. I remember one guy, I'll remain nameless, but the story's the important thing, not the identity. I prosecuted him. Right. Uh, it was for one of the last armed bank robberies. People don't put nylons over their faces now, you know. Right. You, you, <laughs> you look back on those days when hard men put stockings over their heads, you know. Uh, you don't get that now. Right. I, or do you? I don't know. Some people... I, 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 in all the cases I've done, that seems to have died out now. They wear these comic masks now, but right. what's happened to the old women's nylons? You know, 
anyway, uh, um, I prosecuted it, and uh, he was convicted. Right. Um, total gentleman, though, you know, it, it, contrary to popular belief when you do these cases, provided you do them fairly right. and you don't take liberties, right. it, it, you don't get kind of afters as, right. as long as you do it fairly and do your job right. and don't go over the top when you prosecute. End of that. A couple of years later, I'm at my desk and a brief comes across the desk in the days when it didn't come on these bloody screens or something, you, you right. could feel and smell them. Right. I recognised the, uh, the surname. I thought, well, this is, this is interesting. And, and, and it was the, the son of that individual. Right. Who the father who I'd prosecuted had recommended I defend. Right. And that, to me, is the absolute perfect example of the professionalism of the job that you do. Right. Of the way that if you treat people correctly, whether you prosecute or you defend, and I emphasise now I, right. I, I don't prosecute, but, 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 but if you prosecute or defend and you do it with integrity... Right. That doesn't mean that you don't do it hard, right. but you do it with integrity. It's respected. Right. That's the key to it. Um, but uh, it, it's it, by prosecuting, certainly in the past, I found that a useful tool right. and a useful knowledge to have yeah. when you're defending, because you know the moves before they happen. Right, got it, got it. And, you know, moving into, obviously, some of the cases that you've done, um, obviously there's... Uh, some movies that I've been involved in, um, uh, namely Rise of the Foot Soldier. Superb. Uh, Bonnie by Blood. Uh, you know, I mean, there's probably been 30 films about the Essex Boys. Oh, no. oh, yeah, indeed, yeah. <laughs> A million conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah. Um, but I, I know, um, obviously, you've mm. worked in, in that space. And uh, on, on the Leah Betts uh, mm. case, we actually had uh, Bernard O'Mahoney. Uh, uh, he and I crossed swords yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> quite significantly. <laughs> Um, but again, he, again, just before we go on to that, again, I always treated Bernard with, with respect. I, yeah. you know, I gave him a hard time, but right. he was always professional. Now, he actually said, because yeah. he was talking about that case, mm. and he actually said, uh, you know, and he, was, he actually mentioned you. Did he? He said, well, funny enough, yeah. John's actually going to come on the show. What did he say about it? Come on, he tell said, me. He said, he, said, he said he was really good, and he said, you know, send him my best, you know, so... Well, and, mine, and mine back to him as yeah, well. We, we, you know, I mean, I still remember it now. In fact, I got in my study a picture of him and me right, okay. done by a court artist <laughs> of me cross-examining him right. and him on the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, what um, uh, what part of that was you, you was prosecuting? Was it the dealer or was it... No, I was defending. Oh, you were defending the dealer, right, OK. No, uh, no, I wasn't. I was defending the alleged... Oh, the alleged, right, okay. Because we were acquitted. Because, because... Um, Let's get this right. Yeah, no, the, re the reason I'm asking is because yeah. when Bernard was talking about it, yeah. obviously there was a very public, mm. um, you know, Leah Betts went into this club yeah. and, you know... she. But it was the catalyst for a lot of activity later, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and that was... Uh, and when he actually told me his side of the story, yeah. again, look, you know, they always say there's two sides to every story. And there often um, is. Yeah, but, um, uh, but, but out of that actual event did they ever because because he said categorically it was tony tucker and the essex boys drugs that were being sold in that club um but did they ever get to the bottom of it i don't think that was ever rounded off in the right, end okay. one one way or the other right. uh there obviously uh, seemingly were connections between the events that happened right. with essex boys and and the yeah. layer and the layer bets incident uh yeah. certainly it's been stated that there were, that, that there were. Uh, but uh, the Leia Betts thing was an absolute tragedy. That, that, that's what 
just to remind everyone uh, uh, about that, I think it was one or just two uh, dodgy ecstasy tablets yeah. which she was supplied with. Uh, uh, and I emphasize again, my client was acquitted, so it's yeah. important to say that, that she was supplied with that were dodgy. And, oh. and, and, and there was a bad reaction. Ever since that happened, particularly there were photographs of her, for instance, lying on the bed right. with tubes coming out of her. But there, there was uh, a big campaign, wasn't there? Big campaign. Yeah. But the most important thing is Essex Constabulary really then decided to focus on ecstasy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that wasn't, uh, for those dealing in ecstasy, a very welcome event. Right. Right. Uh, and, and, and a lot of it was, was linked because uh, uh, Leia was given this dodgy ecstasy tablet and, and died of it. Yeah. Um, and so whether, I don't know, I'm just pontificating, whether... Yeah people were pretty pissed off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that absolutely. if you're going to give ecstasy tablets out, which I'm not condoning, right. if you're going to give ecstasy tablets out, you don't give them out that are going to kill people. Well, the, well, the, <laughs> the crazy thing is Bert, Bert, Bernie was very, mm. very mm. upfront, and mm. he just went, you know, that there was the, 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 wherever those pills come from, mm. he said that people were complaining mm. um, about, mm. you know, getting headaches and they didn't yeah. feel right on them. And then they were like, we just sell them, just get rid of them. Right? You see, that's the thing. And, so, and, you're, and you're right to say wherever they came from. We don't know right. where they came from. It's lots of speculation. All that is known is that the girl took some dodgy ones. Yeah, absolutely. And for whatever reason, wherever they came from, suddenly the spotlight's now on Essex yeah. and on ecstasy. Well, what, Ber what Bernie said, which I thought was, was bizarre, and mm. I actually could, and, and he said when the police came and they were like, you know, we need to get hold of some of these mm. pills. Mm -hmm. Because we obviously want to test them, and yeah, like, of course. you know. Uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get you one," sort of thing. And I said to him, "I said, but like, surely you're then admitting you know that people mm. are selling drugs in the club. Mm. Didn't that get you arrested?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and he was like, he was like, "Oh, you know, obviously the girl died, and he felt bad, and blah blah." And I think anybody would have done the same thing. But um, but I I I was quite sort of. Uh, Shocked that he was that sort of upfront about it. Oh yeah, you know. But he I, may. I don't know. Yeah. And he's speculating, and Bernie will mm. know better than I. The police might have given him some reassurances. I don't know. Right. Uh, right. Who knows? You know, uh, in investigations, sometimes perfectly properly, you uh, you you take decisions to catch the bigger fishes. Yeah. Uh, uh, in in that respect, all I know is it was a, a very very tragic event. Absolutely. But again, everyone handled themselves with such. Dignity. There was a book written by Leia's father afterwards. Right, okay. Um, and I noticed there's a couple of lines about me and the judge. And I, shall we say, me and the judge had a rather fractious relationship <laughs> during, during, the, during, the course, during the course of this trial. Uh, and uh, her father, who was very fair and said I right. did a good job, which was, it, it takes a big man to say that when I'm dealing with uh, oh, that. So, so a, a, a lot of respect for him. Uh, but he, he commented in his book, if I remember rightly, you know, the judge had his hands full keeping me under control. <laughs> I think I have that on my gravestone. That's a good one. A bit of a handful that. to keep under control. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, the, the, the Essex boys then, a few months after that, were obviously murdered. And um, there was obviously all the conspiracy theories, you know, Mickey Steele and Jack Worms did it, uh, Affirm did it. Police did it. This person did it. You know, and everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, I wonder mm. who did it." Mm. And uh, I always remember. I think it was on the seventh uh, of December, opening the Sun newspaper and the Mail. So I had all the newspapers out, and every page, front page, was of that Range Rover with the guys. And yeah. but that, yeah. at that time, mm. I was um, mm. putting on dance music events. 
Yeah, okay, right. Okay. So, so yeah. I'm I'm looking at all this yeah. stuff, but then obviously fast forward like you know 20 yeah. years, and yeah. and I'm sort of in films and making films. Which You're is actually mad. replicating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But um, I know, um, obviously when uh, Jack Williams and Mickey still got arrested, they said it wasn't them. They protest their innocence. Absolutely. Obviously, Bernard come out and obviously said they were innocent. Um, and I know you, you was it, was it Mickey, Mickey Steele? I, I, I advised uh, on the appeal, and, and, and he is, he's on the public record, continues, and, 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 and has been absolutely rock solid. He, he didn't do it, he, right. he wasn't involved in it. Right. And uh, he and I met in Durham Prison, I remember. Right. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've lost touch a little bit what's happening to that right. now, whether, whether the proceedings are still ongoing. But, uh, the, the and he's, because, of course, he's been inside a long time now. And uh, 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 for someone who, who is innocent, it's, uh, it's hard to take. So. Do you know what's really, like, crazy? Like, B Bernie, yeah. um, when, when he was on here, mm. he actually said... He's admitted to doing it, and the, and Who the, the, the Mickey Stone and Jack Jones have actually said, "Yeah, it was us." And he said, and he said, and I said, I said, "Yeah," but I said they've always said they're innocent. Yeah. And I said you was campaigning. Yeah. yeah. Obviously yeah. saying they're yeah. innocent. Yeah. So I said, "What's changed?" And 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 he he said I, he said I honestly don't know why. In 2015, I think that was a yeah, year yeah. when there was no more appeals. Yeah. Why they didn't just go? Okay, it was that just so I could get out of jail. You know, I think I think uh, uh, Jack Wombs may be out now. I, I didn't know. Um, I lost touch. As I'm I not said. sure yeah. if if Mickey still is. I think they might both both be out. But um, he was pretty adamant that you know they just sort of gone. Yeah, whatever. Well, you see, well, well, I I, I don't know. I, I'd be very surprised. I don't know Jack, but I, I you know, I, I certainly met Mickey, and I'd be very surprised if he did. He was very strong. Yeah. I did not do this. To be honest, like you know, I always you know people have always asked me because obviously I've been in the films and obviously mm. we mm. made we made the films about mm. it. Mm. Um, people have asked me and they've said, oh yeah, did they do it? I said I genuinely don't know, mm. and I and I just and I said as as a as an, an outside observer looking in, you know, there's no value for them to keep saying that they haven't done it, right? If they have done it, because they could have been out of jail probably 20 years ago. So I said it, it doesn't make any sense why you say You say that, but I don't know. Something as notorious as that, I don't know. If you haven't done it, right. I don't, I'm no psychologist, right. but it's okay. You know, I can yeah. quite understand if you're kind of like, oh, I committed that theft or... Right supplied a small amount of drugs or I did it but I didn't really sort of thing yeah. but that that sort of offence oh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's difficult it's difficult yeah. to own if you haven't done it absolutely uh, so and I would be I would be most surprised if Mickey had said that well I mean I, as I said you know but yeah. Bernie was quite adamant yeah um, but again as I said you know um, I, 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 I'm with you I, mm. I don't know why anybody would say they were innocent unless they were you know it yeah. comes to a point after 10-15 years you go well, it's not worked. Let's tell the truth. You know, well, what about that on. guy recently that's that, that's taking the various people to court at the moment that's been that's been in prison for is it rape or something and he's served seventeen, 17 years. years? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and he that. quite rightly stuck to his guns because he was innocent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's you know it's an amazing achievement of fortitude. I mean, there was a documentary recently on the, on Sky which pretty much covered mm. the same old thing, the same old stories. But I think the only only difference was somebody actually come out and said, uh, you know, that they'd done it for some firm in East London. Mm. And that was, yeah, again, it's just another conspiracy theory. But um, to this date, the only people who've, who've been put in, in prison are, are Mickey Steele and Jack Wayne. So, um, you know, 
I, 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 I don't, as I said, I don't know if justice has been served or not. And like you said, you know, he protests his innocence and, and you, you did his appeal for him. Um, well, I mean, what happened with the appeal? Did they just... Well, well, no, I, I drafted the, the written part of it and then others took it over. Oh, sorry, I thought so, you, you actually... I, no, I wasn't in the court. Oh. I draft. I was helping oh, draft... Okay. I, I draft... Mickey drafted the documents right. and then things moved on uh, and that's when I right. moved on myself. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and another Essex boy, Billy Murray, <laughs> um, who is, who, who, who's, who's, who's been a friend of mine for years... I actually did my first ever movie with him. I, I remember that time when, when, when obviously he had he had that issue where uh, the drug dealer um, w had got his daughter hooked on heroin, and I've, I, I mean obviously you know I know in life you shouldn't sort of take a law into your own hands, but I think any father who has had that happen to him would be angry. Right. I, 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 I'm in a rather difficult position on this one. Right. As you, as yeah, you yeah no, no. But I mean, I, I'll tell you what he told me. And I, let me let me make right. it clear. Uh, uh, he was acquitted, and rightly so. He was obviously innocent. Yeah. Uh, and right. I, I'm pretty uh, black and white about the legal system. Right. You're acquitted. You're innocent. There's yeah, no absolutely. debate about it. You move on yeah. and, uh, with the rest of your life. Yeah. As you know, and uh, I was instructed to prosecute that case. Oh, was you prosecuting? Yes, I was prosecuting. Right, no, right. I, was, I, I thought I, you were defending. No, it. no, right, I, okay. I was. I was prosecuting. That, that right, was one of the right. cases I prosecuted, which is why, why I should say, how is Billy? Uh, but again, yeah. uh, as I'm sure Billy will say, I pr prosecuted it firmly, but, but right. fairly. Well, and, and he was acquitted, yeah. and he was innocent, and hopefully he went on to yeah. live a perfectly uh, so he happy it, time. So, so he told me um, that, um, that, that, I don't know if it was a barrister or his lawyer, basically said to him, you know, this isn't looking good for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, the guys said to the police, what you've done, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. So um, I, th I think I think, I think, think these, these drug dealers, wherever they were, got tied up and beaten, you know, senseless somewhere. And then obviously they went out. And at the time, I think Billy was in the bill, which was ironic. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I can't remember all the details of right. it, but I, I do know, right. obviously, I, I knew yeah. who Billy was. So he was in the bill at the time. Yeah, so, so, so and you, the jury loved him. Yeah. <laughs> But he's a great guy, Bill. Yeah, of course. And, and what was what was funny, what made me laugh when he was telling the story, because um, I said to him, oh, you know, what happened? Because we become good friends. Yeah. This probably happened before I was really good friends with him. Yeah. But and he and he said, look, he said, he said, he said, the guy's basically gone to the police and said that me, the guy from the bill, and these thugs have kidnapped him and his mates and tied him up and beaten them senseless yeah. in his warehouse. And he said, like, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. And he said, but the, the guy said, look, you know, the geezers, the, these drug dealers have been beaten up and he's saying it's you, so it's kind of your word against his. But apparently, now, and, and I'm only doing this on what Billy told me, but he said that um, the guy stood up in court and was actually laughing about the fact that he was getting kids hooked on heroin. And he, and he was sort of like making a joke about it. And, and, and Billy said, that's what turned the jury against him. And he said, and he said even though... And, he, and, and again, I'm doing this from a conversation, so it mm. might not be exactly right, mm. but he, he actually said that the judge actually said, when he directed it, he said, you know, you, you know, he's saying it's him, you, you know, you should find him guilty, but if you believe that he's, he's innocent, and then I think because of this drug dealer laughing about it, so I do it again, and I like getting people's kids hooked on heroin, that was why the jury went, 
not guilty. And I don't know if you remember that. I don't I, know I'll be honest true. with you, I, I can't remember that. All I, all I can remember is that Billy came over very uh, impressively when right. he gave evidence as yeah. a nice bloke, as I'm sure he is. Absolutely. Uh, and he came over that way and the jury liked him yeah. um, and they believed him and good luck to Billy with that. Yeah, I've, al I've al always said when you're prosecuting, this is a good example of it, right. you don't do it personally. No. You don't hold on to it after the case is finished. Right. Uh, in fact, I heard that when the case had finished, this was Basildon Crown Court, if I remember rightly. I might be wrong. Billy will remember better than I. Right. Some of the jurors were waiting outside to shake his hand. <laughs> but they didn't want to shake my hand. But somebody so so that just shows yeah. how, how, how impressive Billy was. Yeah. And, and, and as I say, he, he, the jury liked him. He was innocent. And he got his verdict. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think... I think uh, I think in life, you know, I, th I think wh whatever happens, um, I think if you get, uh, you know, that that uh, whoever did that to that drug dealer, mm. he absolutely deserved it. And not saying that I'm condoning. I'm not here to condone the. I, I couldn't but, dream of condoning that sort but, of behaviour. But, but but I'll be honest. <laughs> with you. But 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 as a parent, yeah, you know, I, I, I see I, what you're saying. I, I'd, I'd look at that mm. and I I wouldn't be upset. Um, if someone said that to me, but um, but the thing, the thing, the thing is, the law. You know, it's the old story, you know. The, the lady justice is blindfolded, etc., etc. Mm. If the the purest approach to the criminal justice system is that you, if the law is potentially broken, right? If there's a case that it's been broken, it has to be brought, absolutely, regardless of who's involved on one side of it or the other, absolutely. And then the process is supposed to kick in. And decide where the evidence is, and it's right. as, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You try to keep emotion out of it. Yeah. You really do. It's a bit like being a, a surgeon, for instance. Right. If you're operating on someone that's got a very uh, uh, dangerous disease, you don't want the surgeon to be worrying about whether they're going to live or die and how the right. family are going to feel. However important that is, right. because that distracts the surgeon from doing the clinical job. It's a bit the, s the same with a barrister. Right. When you're doing a case, you you can't worry about the ramifications and the wider picture of the case right you have to micro focus in as to the job you have to do right. and to be able to do it well but also to do it with, with without emotion if that's absolutely possible right. and it's not always possible because as i was discussing with you i represented the majority of the bereaved families in the manchester arena bomb right. inquiry and, and there's no way you can keep emotion out of that sort of no. tragedy but in, in, in the general cases, you, you you have to keep emotion out of it, right. so that you can do your job. Right. I mean, do you, I mean, obviously you've you've been doing this for a long time now, John. Obviously you've seen. I don't um, look that old, huh? No, no, but but I it's mean, die. it's die. Uh, it's die. It's jet black in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've done you, highlights. You've, you've you've tried to go George Clooney on this, haven't Something you? Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, I just saw Silver Fox. Yeah, I yeah. quite like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but have you found sort of you know going through your career, um, and you've you've obviously prosecuted and defended various people. But d d some of these cases, I mean, d does d do you sort of become desensitised to it? So when you get a, a, a oh, there's a case for this or a case for that, do you just is it is it just like you know another day at the office, or do you sometimes just look at this stuff and just think, wow, has anything ever really shocked you in your job? Well, yeah, the Manchester Arena. Right, that was inquiry. Certainly, certainly did. I was working on that for two, two and a half years, uh, um, and I, I defy anyone to look at a case like that when children and young people lose their lives within a, 
uh, a moment uh, of, of tragedy and the loss that that caused. And right. I was representing 12 of the, the 22 families, so it was, it, it, it was tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy right. upon tragedy. And yeah, uh, that did affect me. Uh, there were times actually right. when I was, uh, you know, tearful. I don't mind saying so. Looking at some of the material, I, I, I mean, some, some of the. I mean, you know, there's an old saying. You know, um, you can never prepare yourself for the loss of a child. Absolutely not. And it wasn't just the loss of the the child. Because there was there's some adults, parents who, all they did was wait for their child at the end of a of, of, of a performance and. Little things uh, affect you when you're dealing with cases like that. The small issues, like, for instance, fate. Why? If a, some people that died in the city room of the, the arena had been in that arena for masses of seconds, Why? had they, for instance, when they left their seats, looked under the seat to see whether they dropped their purse or their wallet or, uh, and took those seconds just to check, stood up maybe to done their coat up, they'd be alive. Wow. And it's those moments of fate, those moments of fine margins right. that happen in life. And I saw a lot of that during the Manchester Arena uh, case. That, that deeply affected me. Yeah. Also, yes, I've done cases, criminal cases, with, with loss of children and adults as well. It's right. just, just as the tragedy. Uh, and, 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 and you do, in quieter moments, it, it, it affects you. you. You can't help it not to affect you. Right. But the key is, when I say to you, keep emotion out of it, mm. I mean keep emotion out of it when you're doing the job. Right. That doesn't mean, and it's actually, th talking as I am now, it's actually, it's actually quite unhealthy, actually. You right. actually bottle it up, right. and then when the case is finished or when you've got a quiet moment... Let it out. You sometimes then have to let it out, right. which is, as I speak, I, I think, how unhealthy is that? Yeah. Uh, but have you ever used that though? Like when you're defending a case and and you know the person's innocent, um, and and you know, do you ever sort of use that as a sort of fuel to to? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know what you're doing as as a KC, but do you do you ever does you ever well, find the, that? Well, the first thing to say on that is that. I try not to enter into whether I know a person's innocent or whether I think a person's guilty. It's, this, it's, it's, it's two right. sides of the same coin. Right. It's not my job to make a judgment. Got it. I often say there are 12 jurors, a 13th would make it rather crowded. My, I like that. My, my approach to my right. cases is that if a client comes to me, because now I do purely defence, mm. if a client comes to me and tells me they did not do it, right. My role is to examine the evidence and bring out during the course of the trial every single point I possibly can and more right. that establishes or helps to support their defence right. and to analyse the prosecution evidence and destroy it as much as I can right. to assist the defence. Right. I don't go into the process of do I believe it or do I not right. believe it. Got it. Sometimes, yes, if you push me, you know, the, the, sometimes you say, well, yeah, this is absolutely right. Sometimes you say, well, I'm not quite sure, but the client tells me it's right and that's right. good enough for me. Right. Because there, there's terminology in our job. If like, somebody there's, actually... Uh, there's terminology right. in our job, which means I take instructions. Right. And, th and that word is not just thrown in there just, 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 just politely. Right. A barrister takes instructions. Right. 
you advise on those instructions. But we don't make up defences that, that aren't there, for instance. Oh. There's an old saying, uh, barristers are like uh, interior decorators. They don't choose the wallpaper. Right. We just put it up. Right, got it. But do you, do you um, and this might be a silly question, but am I right in saying that if, if somebody comes to you and said, you know, I need you to defend me, but I did it, then you just can't act for it? Uh, <clears throat> not as straightforward as that. Uh, right. If they come to oh, me, is that an American thing? No, no, no. no it's, 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 it is an, it is an English thing, right, but, okay. but but there are nuances to it. Right. So, yeah, if someone comes to me and says, "I want you to defend me," but I did it, but I did it, <laughs> I can't go into court then and and argue and defend them on the basis positively. Right, I know what you mean. They didn't do it. Right. What I can do right. is still challenge the evidence without right. having to say but we deny doing it. Right. So, for instance, if part of the defence is the police extracted a confession, which is in breach of the law, right. I could still represent that person by challenging that confession. Right. And if I challenge that confession well enough, right. and it was taken out, right. and the case collapsed, I can do that. Right. But what I can't do is say to a police officer, my client didn't do this, right. because that would be lying. Got it. So you see, there's a nuance to it. Do people, do people actually do that? So I've done it, but can you get me off? I've never had it. I've <laughs> I was going to say, because it's just... I've never, I've never had it. Right. But if it was as bland as that, I've done it, but could you get me off? You, 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 <laughs> you, you, you have to say no, obviously. Because fundamentally, Absolutely. your rule is that you don't mislead yeah. the court. Uh, yeah. you, you, you can challenge nuances of the law, the right. example I gave you were confessions, yeah. Yeah. but you can't go to court and say... Right. And argue well, my client didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't know if you know. I'm, I mean, you know, I I I, I don't know <coughs> enough about it. That's what mm. just interests me. A lot of people don't understand that the fine point of it. But right. uh, but 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 I you, I get asked, how can you defend someone that you know is guilty? That's if I had a fiver for every time I was but asked you, that. But you need a crystal ball. Well, for that, well right? yeah, as I say, twelve <laughs> jurors, thirteenth, uh, not not required. Right. I have had a situation where I've defended someone who's told me they uh, uh, haven't done it. Right. I've got them acquitted. And then the doorstep of court is walking out. They say, thanks very much, Mr. Cooper, but you know I did it, don't you? Wow. Uh, and <laughs> funnily enough, it doesn't make you feel good. No. It, 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 it actually kind of makes you feel what you've done rather sordid. Right. Because all barristers, I would go so far as to say, our role is to win cases and win them in the right way. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and to be told that you'd won a case in the right way, right. but that, in fact, the right way meant that a guilty person it's didn't face out. responsibility for what they'd done, then it, yeah. it contrary to popular belief, it doesn't make you feel, wow, you know, high five. No. But that's only ever happened to me once, and that was many, many years wow. ago. I'm, I'm surprised that somebody would have actually... Said that. I mean, it's just Only, uh, you bizarre. Know, a, a youngster, basically, a right. bit of bravado. You right. know, it, it wasn't the most serious of offences. Right. Uh, you know, I, you know, I don't think the nation will lose sleep over it. Right. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it's only ever happened to me once. I've, I've, I've also um, uh, looking through your illustrious CV. <laughs> um, there, there was, there was a, a billion pounds drug. Uh, mm. I don't know, smuggling or trafficking. Thing that you was you, you was defending, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I'd be defending that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that is just like I mean, you know, when you talk about a hundred thousand pounds or a million pounds worth 
of drugs. Mm. You can only imagine what that looks like, but yeah. a billion. Yeah. Just... We're talking shiploads, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, we're not talking small boats either. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. And, uh, the guy, and the guy said it, it wasn't me. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I had no idea. But it's just crazy. I yeah. mean, it's just yeah. sort of like, yeah, because uh, 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 yeah, what interests me, and obviously the reason why mm. we, we're doing this Criminal Connection podcast, is some of these stories, um, you know, people would always say, a billion pounds for drugs, oh, you know, who does that? You know what yeah. I mean? Or, yeah. or it's ridiculous. You know, that would never happen. But well, obviously it, it has happened. It has happened. It has happened. And how shall I say, the the ambition of many people who want to break the law knows no bounds sometimes. Wow. And uh, it, So what uh, actually, I mean, without naming the name, mm, but, but mm. what actually happened on that? What was the sort of basis of it? I mean, what was the sort of allegations? Well, well it wasn't a one-off, as it were. It was over right. a period of time. Right. And it was by shipment and that sort of thing. Right, uh, okay. Put into various items, right. s s secured in various places. Uh, sometimes, I can't remember if it was that one or, or, or another one, um, secreted into the gut of live animals. Do you know what I read about that? It was a Colombian. I mean, you know, it's it's just like you know, I've 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 seen these things where, when that guy uh, Curtis Warren got arrested, mm. there was those uh, th th there were like these concrete things that they were shipping mm. drugs in with, but actually putting drugs in live animals. No, no, I mean, you, 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 you name it. <laughs> if it's got an orifice. <laughs> Human, vegetable, animal, or mineral—you wow. know—it's uh, stuffable. Wow! Uh, and I, I must admit, just talking generally on these things, people right. that do this sort of thing—I'm not talking about the, mo the morals of it or the, the right. legality of it, which obviously you don't condone—but the risk in these things, it only has to burst. Right. I, I call me a hypochondriac. I call me <laughs> squeamish. <but laughs> Also, like, you know, I think one of the biggest deterrent to drugs in this country, forget all the talk about it, is if telling enough people around the country that the drugs you're taking have gone up someone's arse. I mean, that's... that's you know, I mean, I mean, that must be the biggest deterrent you can possibly think of. Maybe that it? should be what they should... I think that's Do you know that these drugs <laughs> yeah, 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 have been up somebody's arse? Yeah, no, some sure. animal's no, arse? No, no, no. Well, well, some animal's arse I could cope with, but there should be a big poster campaign, you know, yeah. uh, you know, show this massive arse. <laughs> And that's where your drugs come from, guys. And at the bottom, I mean, it's, just say no. Well, just say no, you know. I mean, although now I probably know why it's called crack. Right. Bum bum. Yeah. You, no. you, you, you throw them out, I'll just... But it's, I mean, it is crazy. I mean, I mean, is it just because, obviously, where, I mean, we was having this conversation with, uh, with, with, um, the, the, DCI Clive Driscoll um, about drugs, and uh, you know he was saying obviously they're, 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 they're just always coming up with these ingenious ways of bringing it in and doing this and doing that. And I actually said to him, I said, "Well, this war on drugs thing, you know, it's been going on so long, mm. but it doesn't seem to ever end or ever. W nobody ever wins. You know, occasionally there's a, mm. uh, a shipment that gets stopped or somebody gets arrested, but it just keeps going on." And uh, I asked him what he thought about, you know. People have always been advocating. Well, maybe we should legalize drugs, tax drugs, mm. ensure the quality of the drugs. Obviously, limit what people can take. Yeah. You know what people are taking, and um, obviously that sort of. I mean, there still will be a black market, but obviously that would probably destabilize. It's the interesting whole thing. what you're saying, folks. On the news, I didn't when this podcast is going out, but I mean only only this week, last week, it's been on the news that Portugal compared to Scotland, for instance. Right. 
Um, I, I think I understood this rightly, that this, the, the taking of drugs, not the dealing of drugs, but the taking of drugs has been legalised. Right. Uh, and there's an argument in parts of Scotland where drug taking is rife at the moment for the same process to take place. Right. And they compared the two countries. The drug problem in Scotland, so I think I understand it, was still high. Yeah. Whereas the drug problem in Portugal was really low. Yeah. Which, if you take that on its face value, shows that by legalisation of the taking of drugs, right. uh, can bring the, uh, the, the, the 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 drug problem down. But it's like if you're in 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 uh, the UAE. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you're an Emirati. Um, you know, you 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 know you you don't you're not allowed to drink alcohol. But if you have, if you're an outsider and you're living there, and you get a license, you yeah. buy a drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you need a license. So yeah, sure. if they did something like that, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think uh, it, it's it, it, it's good because then it just means you legalize it and 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 in some way maybe encourage people to take it. But then if you look at alcohol, if you look at tobacco, there's more people that die from that, and also. Um, you know, you remember the Marlborough man, you know, I mean, yeah, he yeah. obviously died of cancer, right? Yeah, sure, so, sure. so there was nothing good about, and, and you know, growing up as a kid, you, you know, I, I, I tried smoking, but I didn't like it, but you always associate being cool because the movie star smoke or the Marlboro man smoke. Things have changed, haven't they? Yeah. You look at the old movies from the 40s and the 50s, everyone smoked, you know, and yeah. uh, I'm a great fan of Talking Pictures. I don't know whether you've actually seen this, this channel, Talking Pictures, highly recommended. I've not seen that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's on Freeview, uh, right. Freeview 81. Uh, right. And it shows all these old movies and all right. these old series going back to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And even back in the 80s, you still see people taking a cigarette out. And, right. and doctors, that gets me, doctors. <laughs> you have these scenes in hospitals in these uh, programmes made in the 60s and the 70s. You know, the, the patient comes into the doctor's consulting room. The first thing the doctor says is, cigarette? Attitudes to smoking yeah. and stuff, obviously, uh, uh, have changed. Well, but got, you pick up a cigarette packet and there's a, uh, you know, you're going to die if you smoke this. And you're like, and it's like some black... That doesn't put lung. people off, does it? That doesn't put well, people I, off. Well, I, I just think it's gone from that to being this, like, cool thing. And it, it's, it's funny, it's sort of like, when when the world thinks smoking's okay, it's okay... When the world thinks drinking is okay, it's okay. When they don't think it's okay, then it's like, oh, you should only drink one unit That's when it's been as part of the culture, for instance, at around about the time I was kicking Wendy House doors down, right. you could buy these kids sweet cigarettes. Do you remember them? Yeah, of course. And, and, yeah. and kids were encouraged to, to, to just to have these sweet cigarettes. Did you which see the other ones that used to puff? Absolutely. So this is encouraging people to do this sort of thing when, right. the, when they're young, no wonder. But things have totally changed now. But going back to the original point about drugs, mm. I think it's worth a try. Right. Uh, uh, the situation is so bad now right. anyway. I'm not talking about legal Nothing to lose. Well, nothing to lose at all. Right. Um, at least some trial period. Why not have a trial period in, in some part of the country or, 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 or just to statistically evaluate? But the problem is... No politicians want to be seen to be light on crime and that right. sort of thing. There's a lot of posturing with politicians, right. and they're fearful. It's it's a bit like, for instance, I do a lot of work with rescue animals. I'm mean, right. very much into rescue dogs and that sort of thing, and I've been campaigning against the Dangerous Dogs Act and what's called breed-specific right. legislation, right. whereby simply by the way a dog looks, right. they can be seized and put down. It doesn't matter whether they're dangerous or not, you know. Right. Poor staffies have to put up with this when they really are statistically not the most violent of dogs. It's 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 right. it's just a media thing. I think Chihuahuas are, believe it or not, and right. I'm not 
I'm not making that up. Labrador's more bite incidents in National Health Service right. than, than staff right. is uh, statistically. But the, but 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 the point but the point I, I'm I'm making is that politicians are afraid. Right. No politician, although they know, for instance, the Dangerous Dogs Act is is draconian and doesn't work, right. and and just picks out dogs for the publicity of it. Right. No politician will ban it because they're worried that the following next day, uh, a baby will be killed by a dog, and that politician will be seen as condoning dangerous dogs, which would be absolutely wrong, right. uh, uh, and. So politicians, I don't think, have got the guts to do this sort of thing. Right. They haven't got the guts to take the right decision on the Dangerous Dogs Act, for instance. Right. They haven't got the guts to take the right decision on drugs because no politician wants to be accused of being uh, light on, 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 on drugs. We need a bit of leadership, but uh, there was an article only very recently. Uh, who was it that wrote it? Was it Danny Finkelstein in The Times? I might have got that wrong. Saying that, that we need leaders who are prepared to take unpopular decisions, but yeah. correct decisions. Yeah. And this is on the drugs thing. I, do you know, Sam, I, th I think the problem with politicians now, and maybe it's because we've, you know, after COVID, you know, we, we, we I think as, as the West has definitely become lazy. I think, um, I think there's obviously been this sort of woke agenda being pushed. Yep. And, and, and I think, you know, when I talk to my children, they're, they're like walking around on eggshells. And they know what they can say, what they can think, you know, if they're allowed to have an opinion. If they have an opinion, will they get in trouble? And and I think, obviously, you know, what what we've kind of got is a, a confused nation. And, like, when you speak, you know, like Keir Starmer, they, they asked him to define a woman. And he wouldn't answer the question. Oh, but he's, he's corrected that now, though. Oh, right. You but, know, but, but, he's corrected that now. Uh, uh, and I think Keir Starmer, I declare an interest on right. Labour member and a Labour okay. supporter, yeah. and I've advised members of the party. Right. He, he has corrected that now and, and yeah. got to the right place. Yeah. And I think it is difficult, uh, 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 particularly for people of a certain age, particularly myself right. amongst that, to actually get with the message and understand yeah. the message. Right. But I totally take your point. There are times, and there were times, and with others there remain the times, that there were problems in definition and problems of putting, of, you, putting things over. But the, you, you mentioned woke, for instance. Right. And this is where the law comes into it as well. The, the law's being pressured to go along with, 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 with what some call the woke agenda, which is, yeah. which is troubling in many respects, uh, particularly when you hear that some of it is, is, is taking out literature, right. which, which, which uh, has been in the public domain for many, many years, and, and may, some may say, dulling down the, 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 the critical skills that people may have by reading literature right. and finding out for themselves that's wrong. Absolutely. And that's why it's wrong. There's an old saying, for instance, yeah. within reason, I'm not saying you allow people platforms for outrageous situ uh, situations, far from it. But sometimes when you have someone pontificating something which is obnoxious, right. the best thing to do is to let them, it's like in the university debates, the best thing to do is to give them a platform, let them articulate it, and let them be criticised by the people, expose them to criticism, so that it can be shown how abhorrent that particular point of view is, mm. rather than give it some appalling credibility by being censored, mm. which sometimes gives things a romantic legitimacy, right. which by exposing it shows how appalling it is. I mean, I, I, when I was using uh, Keir Starmer's example, it was it was really all politicians. You know, if you ask mm. Rishi Sunak, if you ask mm. Boris Johnson, if you ask any of them anything, they, they always kind of go around the houses 
and they always want to try and say something that makes everyone happy. And I genuinely think um, what you said earlier was absolutely correct. If someone stood up and said, like in London, right? I was walking around London the other evening and I looked around and I was like, I've never seen so many people sleeping on the streets. Yeah, sure. It, like, in my life, sure. right? So I've been walking around for 52 years and I've never seen anything this bad. And you think, why is this happening? The crime, there's 100 watches getting stolen a month in Mayfair. Mm. You know, what is going on? And and you look at all this stuff and then, you, you know, you, you, you sort of, it, it feels like, like what you said earlier, mm. nobody wants to speak out. You've got these, just all people gluing themselves to roads and, and disrupting people's days. And and for me, I'd, I'd, I I think that they could get their message across without doing that. Well, let me, let me you take know? you up on this because uh, uh, some of the casework I've done has been representing right. people protesting. Right. I represented the people outside St Paul's Cathedral about 10 years ago. Remember the right. Occupy outside St Paul's Cathedral? They, they, uh, they occupied the area outside St Paul's Was that Cathedral. where they put all the tents up? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. So remember they that. were my clients. I represented right. them in the High Court. Right. I've represented people who have been campaigning against trees being cut down in Sheffield, for instance. Right which recently got some publicity. I was representing the protesters outside Euston Station right. on the on the, the, the rail development right. protests. Yeah. It's, I think I think I'm not condoning again the breaking of the law. Right. But 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 sometimes uh, it's a matter of getting the the message over. Right. I emphasize again in legitimate legal ways, but what the people who have been uh, exercising their right of protest and it is a right of protest, right. and it's important we don't dilute that. Yeah. It's very important, otherwise we slip from being a democratic country into something far more yeah. obscene. What they're doing is causing the debate at the very least. Yeah. And, and people may be saying, well, their methods are wrong, and as I say, I'm not condoning illegality. People may say their methods are wrong, Right. But we're talking about it. We're talking about what they're campaigning about. Now, for instance, there's been a move against those tactics, and I understand right. that uh, those tactics and the organisation are realigning themselves now. Yeah. I think there's been internal pressure to do so. But sometimes it's a journey. Yeah. To get to where you should be, sometimes you have to be in places where you shouldn't be. Right, got it. Uh, it's a process and it's a progress. I think what... what what we sh should be more concerned about, and I speak as one who does a lot of public protest work, yeah. what we should be more concerned about, in my view, is the dilution of the right to public protest. Right. I think, uh, it's, I think you should absolutely have the right to protest. But the, it's, it's under threat. There'd be no doubt right. about it. The public order bill, which, which keeps coming and going and coming and going, if it goes through in its present form, uh, will curtail people's right to protest. Right. Uh, uh, and... I'm not saying every single person listening to this podcast wants to go out and protest, right. but certain people will want to do so. Mm. And I don't think it's right to say, well, I wouldn't go out to protest, and therefore, how important is it? I see, uh, some of the biggest reforms in this country have developed because of the right of protest. Look, right. at, look at the poll tax, for instance. Yeah. Had it not been for the, the protests over the poll tax, the poll tax which I think everyone agrees was wrong, was wrong, would not have been taken away. Yeah, and we'd all be paying it. We'd all, well, well, <laughs> well, indeed, well, well, indeed so. But, I mean, the right of protest also mm. caused uh, votes for women to go through the suffragettes. Right. Some of the things the suffragettes yeah. did at the time was outright illegal. Right. But sometimes their methods required that, yeah. some say, to, to make the point and to push the debate further. So I think we need to be very, very careful before we start criticising those that 
uh, do what they do. Uh, I mean, I think I, I genuinely like you know. For me, um, I, I I look at I, I think I'm with you. Every, everyone has a right to protest, mm. but the, I I just think what they did that particular way of protesting. Um, everyone I come across that spoke about it didn't speak about it positively. No, no, it alienates. So, 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 so I, I was, I actually, my point really was, you know, if they want to get people on side, there's a way to do it. Doing that, it alienates people because people then switch off from it. And but the right of protest is an organic thing. You know, right. it, some would say they'd got it right. Some would say they hadn't got it right. I right. think the organisations have accepted that they got it wrong, but right. it's it's developing all of that. But I, I say before we start analysing whether that particular group were right, right or wrong, right. I think we need to think wider about other groups that yeah, protest. I was very active, for instance. I was there, the chair of an organisation called the League Against Cruel Sports. Right. And I was uh, one of those at the centre of bringing in the Hunting Act, which criminalised hunting. Right. Uh, and a lot of the work we did involved protest, uh, legitimate right. and legal protest. Yeah. And we wouldn't have uh, been able to criminalise hunting with hounds, a process which took nearly 20 years, uh, if we hadn't have utilised the right to protest and then uh, changed the law on, on the back of that. Right. Uh, so we wouldn't, I mean, whatever people's views are on hunting, and, and my view is that, is, is, is that it is rightly criminalised. Right. Uh, uh, I would say that, wouldn't I? I was at the forefront of doing it. <laughs> uh, 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 but whatever one's view... Right. Uh, it was the right of protest that right. pushed the law yeah. in that direction. Right. And it could have gone in either direction, but the right of protest is very important for us. Yeah, absolutely. And then with, with um, going back onto you know, some of the, the criminal cases that you've, that you've done, um, I remember, um, and, and I might have the dates wrong here, but um, when lockdown happened, um, I remember there was an article... Um, in, in the newspaper about this Encro chat. Uh, and, I f and I think it was on the 1st of April, and I thought this is actually quite funny because it's April Fool's Day. It wasn't funny for a lot of people, <laughs> no, I can assure no, you. No, no. It was not funny for but, a lot of but, people. But I remember, like, years ago, people saying, have you heard about these Encro chat phones? And I was like, what's an Encro chat phone? And they said, oh, it's really good. Um, you know, you can be anonymous. You know, you can do this, you can do that, you can speak on it. Um, you know, lots of royalty have it, lots of uh, criminals have it, lots of people that, you know, want to be anonymous have it, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, it just wasn't really my thing. And then, and then... Um, when sounds like, this sounds like a police interview now. Are you, are you sure, Mr. Stan? <laughs> but I, I <laughs> Can just, I put exhibits? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, but I, 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 I literally, when I've... Then, then you sort of forget about it, and then literally... On, when I saw that in lockdown, and I was like, wow, that's, that's, this, these are these phones people were talking about years ago. You know, the, the story that I heard, um, and again, you, you, you'll probably be able to correct me, was that somebody had invented this phone and there was this network that backed it up and allowed people to do this. But then when obviously the law enforcement agencies around the world realised what was going on, they somehow bought one of these phones and they put a patch on the network and pushed it into this cloud or whatever it was. And then they were able to literally infect everybody's phones and then literally have all the calls, all the texts, all the no, it, whatever it, it was. It was Christmas come early for the law enforcement authorities. Right. I think the process was developed in Belgium, although I might be correct if I'm wrong, but Belgium or France were certainly 
at the forefront of it. And right. and I always argued in EncroChat cases that uh, it's not just criminals that use uh, uh, EncroChat. Unfortunately, some of the material being brought out showed that a lot of criminals used EncroChat. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it's it was also used for legitimate purposes, right. a fo telephone system which guaranteed or said it guaranteed anonymity. Um, but as a result of it being broken into by the law enforcement authorities, it it reveals some pretty embarrassing stuff for some of my clients, which right. was which 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 was in some respects, in some cases, inescapable. Right. Uh, pretty right. Uh, pretty pretty clear discussions going on as to. Right. Firearms, drugs, and various right. all, all manners of uh, purported uh, activity, which, right. which, which, which made it very difficult to mount any form of defence. The defences that we were mounting were based on the admissibility right. of EncroChat work, and a lot of uh, that has gone to the high courts at the moment. But there oh, is, so it's still ongoing. It's still ongoing. Right, okay. oh, oh, there are still challenges ongoing, but the, but the courts are very are pragmatic at times. I mean, right. the, the last thing the courts want to do is suddenly take away from the police their new toy, right. which 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 to be fair is producing inescapable evidence in some cases wow. uh, of, crim I mean, of criminal activity. It's it's rather yeah, it's spoil sport on behalf of the police, right. isn't it? Really, you know, it doesn't give us a chance for in certain cases to to run a defence. I say that very much tongue right. in cheek, right. uh, but it. The law enforcement authorities will say that it's uh, probably as uh, as significant or in the same category as the discovery of DNA, as far as wow. criminal. But shall I tell you what the what 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 the biggest uh, 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 item which is used now in court in in prosecutions now the right. the biggest development in criminal detection ever come across your mobile phone. Wow. And it's not just because of conversations on your mobile phone, it's cell site analysis and that sort of thing that you can be cited uh, by... Uh, oh, so can't you put you... It, more or less exactly at the place where the crime's being committed at the precise time the crime's being committed. Wow. So, so mobile telephones, in fact, you know, the police probably had to work far harder 100 years ago. Right. Uh, 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 there's right. so many tools now the police have. To, that's not to say they don't work hard now. Right, of course. Uh, 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 but... Uh, the tools the police have at their potential disposal for crime uh, uh, detection, mobile phone. Well, I'm, I'm not actually going through all of them because I don't particularly want to give the game away. But right. it's 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 an, it's an open secret. Obviously, mobile phones are right. very central to police investigations. Right. Every single uh, uh, crown court case you get involved in, and I mean virtually every single crown right. court case, not just murders and stuff yeah. uh, that I do and other serious crime, but even in the lower level crime, right. they, they they will involve some form of telephone communication right. or uh, uh, cell site analysis is what it's called, right. based upon the position of uh, these wireless masks. And I suppose also when you're taking pictures, when you're taking videos. I just cannot understand yeah. it, I have to say. Because people do that, don't they? I, they commit I a crime cannot, and I cannot it. understand it. I couldn't understand it 20 years ago when drug dealers would put their drug deals in writing in the back of their filofaxes. <laughs> now, I'm absolutely serious about this. The amount of cases I got are serious drug dealers who were denying they were drug dealing with all these calculations at the back. And right. I was given instructions, so they, they're not calculations for drugs. So the K for kilos was something else, obviously. Kellogg's oh, right. cornflakes. <laughs> some of the bizarre, some of the bizarre instructions I was given as to what these clear drug calculations were right. in the back of the file of faxes, you know, ranging from you know supermarket food orders to right. uh, to train timetables, right. uh, and they were clearly kind of you know 
six kilos equals blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and, and why? Right. Why did they do it? I, I asked a client once. He said, I don't fucking know, Mr. Gibb. <laughs> He was honest. Well, at least he was honest, yeah, you know. That's our major point of mitigation. Right, right, right. Uh, my lord, uh, my client doesn't fucking know why he did that. But, <laughs> but at least by doing it, he saved the court time. Right. You know, right, right. That's a but the, the, yeah, because, uh, um, so with, so with, with the uh, EncroChat thing, the reason I'm interested in it is because obviously I heard about years ago, um, and, 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 and obviously I've, I've, I've heard people talking about it and obviously I've read in the paper about it. Um, but the, the, the people that sold these phones as some secure, unbreakable thing, um, have, have they gone out of business or are people suing well, them? Well, this way, I've no idea about whether they're being sued or not. But, uh, no, because you just I, think... I, if, I, I if, think you, uh, let me put it this way. EncroChat sold itself on anonymity. Right. Well... In certain cases, that an anonymity has been breached. I don't know whether they're in business or not. Well, what I, I do know is that the system has been developed, as it always is. It's going back to our original uh, discussions right. uh, about systems. Right. They, 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 they break, they don't work, and son of comes in. Right. I think son of is just around the corner. Son of Enkrachat is just around the corner. What, what does that mean? Something a little more secure. Oh, right, okay. So there'd be another yeah. thing... Um, and yeah. it goes on. Yeah, because I because I I did laugh because when I heard about it, um, and when I saw it actually mm. break, I did actually think, yeah, and and obviously maybe it's because I I do like reading conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because um, some of them are silly, but some yeah. are, sometimes yeah. have merit. sometimes have merit. But yeah. but I but I did think, you know, if if I was in law enforcement, what better way to actually catch people doing things they shouldn't be doing? Whether it's criminals, whether it's you know arms dealers, whatever, uh, to actually say, well, let's set up this company. <laughs> 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 we call it EncroChat. Yeah. We tell everybody it's secure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's not really secure, and then it's well, just you know. it, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I, I know in police investigation throughout history, right. uh, sham companies have been set up to entice people. Right. But of course, you have to be very careful about the law of entrapment and that sort of thing as well. Right, yeah, I mean, when, I mean, when, look, you, when you do I, that sort of thing. I mean, but but your, your point about in principle can it be done? Yes, but you've got to be very careful right. about about entrapment. And but that the actual the actual stuff that you've looked at mm. as 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 a as a, mm. a, a defence, mm. um, basically, that that stuff that's in the paper about they put this thing into the network and they infected the phones. I've never actually heard it put as direct as that. Right, okay. But clearly, they must have put something into the right. network. Or whether they hacked into it. I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, no, no. Yeah. They must have got into it in some particular right. way. Right. We've never got to the bottom as to how. Uh, 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 but uh, it, it's it's a lot of it is to do with uh, is being alerted to communications for one individual, and then that alerts some sort of matrix. The right. communications are happening and triggers it. So right. it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's certainly... Some form of intrusion, right. obviously. So, so, so with with, the, I mean, this is a law, law question, mm. really. So, if somebody has one of these phones, somebody over there has one of those phones, and they're doing whatever they're doing, and you know they're breaking the law, yeah, right. And then the the police arrest them and say, "We got these messages. We know you've killed this person or sold these drugs or mm. whatever you've done." Um, you know, and then they go, "Right, we're taking you to court for this," and then you know you get involved. And then you know you're defending it. 
I take it there is really no defence. It's like it's in black and white. You've sent the. Thing. It's a very worrying situation, Terry, right. that we as defence lawyers, I'm being tongue in cheek here, when right. when you're presented with evidence which says your client categorically did it, it's it's it, <laughs> bit of a bit of a bummer actually. <laughs> Uh, the the only real uh, real defences that that are proffered forward are, are the defences we're running at the moment, which is the illegality of itself of encroachment. That's what I mean. It's the technicalities of it. It's a te uh, I mean, for instance, there was there were a run of cases going through uh, various courts. Uh, a year or so ago, right. and a lot of us with EncroChat cases were waiting as to the outcome of those cases on the technicalities right. before we pleaded guilty. Right. Because what would have been the ultimate bummer would have been to plead guilty and then find a case has come out saying EncroChat is, 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 is illegal in terms right. of the, the techniques used to expose it. Right. But that wouldn't have helped clients who've pleaded guilty because they've just they've, they've just said they've done it anyway. Right. So <laughs> it was like it was like a war of nerves. Who would blink first? I'm not right. saying necessarily my clients. I'm right, talking right. generally. Right. It's like a war of words. There's a case that might be coming out which could destroy Chat and therefore right. its evidence is inadmissible, and therefore right. there's no evidence against us. Right. Or, or do we plead guilty now and get the benefit of mitigation right. and say we've done it, and then? Uh, uh, six months into our sentence, we're told EncroChat has been discredited and we've already said we've done it. So there was right, kind of right, like right. A, a situation whereby people really didn't want to make their plea right. until the EncroChat situation had resolved itself. But once the decision started coming back from the higher courts right. that EncroChat was a legal process, the, right. the inf I say legal, the infiltration of EncroChat right. was a legal process, Right. Then it was a bit like uh, apples from the tree as far as the prosecution were concerned. Right, got it, got it, got it. Um, and then when, when you go over, you know, your, your your various cases, which which, I mean, we've obviously talked about the the the, the billion um, drug smuggling thing, uh, people putting drugs in live animals and finding these different ways of of, of bringing things into the country. Um, and we've obviously talked about the, the the terrorist thing in Manchester, but what? I mean, what would what what would you say if you was to look at all of the things you've done, put into to one side the things we've already discussed? Has there ever been anything that you've 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 worked on or defended against, which has has been horrific to the point where, um, you know you. You know, you, you de you're defending it, but it's it's you know whether it was you know sort of like a honour killing or a gangland killing or you know anything that's you know sort of. Well, the, the, the strict answer to your question in terms of criminal trials is no. I mean, the horrific, the most horrific case I've ever dealt with, obviously, is Manchester Arena, right. as I've yeah. said, and for the reasons yeah. that that I've expressed. Yeah. In terms of crown court cases are concerned, again, I, I'm doubling back on an answer I've already given you. Right. I don't get emotional. Right, got it. Uh, got I it. don't allow that to happen. Yeah, I'm, I mean uh, more for as, the as far, as far, hmm? I'm, I'm, I mean more for the the people that are watching this or listening to this. It, it's more for them rather than than, than yourself. It's mm. just uh, you know because because obviously for you, obviously you're doing this as a mm. as a job. Mm. So mm. every day you're get, get, yeah, well not every day, but mm. every, every other day whenever you, you're you're working on a case, you're going into court and you're defending these different things. Um, but um, but I, I, I mean we've talked about. I mean, on 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 like a you know uh, a, a complex fraud case. Say, um, have you ever done any of those uh, carousel? Um, yes, carousel frauds. Carousel yes, frauds, they're yeah. absolute. I've done those, and 
I, 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 I was originally involved on the civil side of the BCCI uh, uh, issues as well, uh, and I was involved with Northern Rock. Right. So I've you know been involved with with frauds there, um, right. frauds involving uh, they va they vary they they go through right. various trends. Used to be timeshare frauds in the right. past. Because someone said to me, um, and again, mm. I'm I'm always looking at mm. content. I'm mm. always looking yeah. at ideas. And someone said to me, obviously that carousel fraud when it was happening. Mm. Um, was was that like the late nineties? It was the late nineties. Then you had pyramid frauds right. as well, and and um, and, th and different. It's again, it's going back. There's a trend in the, our discussion. It's going back to whether it be EncroChat, whether it be dro bringing drugs into the country. When one thing fails, right. son of comes in. So right. different frauds develop for different times. Right. And right. yes, the carousel fraud was very much the, uh, the, the, the. It was a complex sort of fraud where. Right. Uh, you had to have a, an understanding of flowcharts as to who was involved at what particular time right. during the process of, of, of the fraud itself. And right. they were always very complex frauds. Yeah, someone said to, to me it was like hundreds of billions over a period of time. I yeah, it can know. be. It can be, absolutely. Wow. Well, that's because of the uh, immense amount of people and organisations that could allegedly be involved. Right. And you had to prove the interconnection uh, right. bet between them and the particular times when right. certain things happened. Right. Uh, and these carousel frauds could go on for years wow. and could go on for years undetected. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but ultimately, carousel frauds, like a lot of those frauds, were ticking time bombs because right. one day it would go wrong. Right. And, so, and when it did go wrong, the, the shit really would. Could, could, so so some, of, some of the people that are listening or watching this podcast mm. may not understand mm. what a carousel fraud is. Mm. So would you be able to explain it simply just so that people well, kind of well, well well basically it's 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 a, it's a fraud which involves the uh, uh, rotation of individuals and operations that are involved in it right. having different responsibilities and different roles and during that carousel procedure of individuals being involved in it the the amount of money I'm being very basic here right. they could be different uh, complexities the amount of money increases is is transferred and and, and, and moved amongst different sections, very much like a carousel process, right. uh, which makes it all the harder to, to not only investigate, but to... to and there's, a, there's an argument, there's a big argument, which I disagree with about the role of the juries. They say that in complex frauds like that, right. juries shouldn't be involved because they won't understand it, which I think is very patronising to right. juries. Right. Uh, and I'm always of the view that the, the role of the lawyer is to be able to explain it to the juror. Right. And it's a failing of the system, not the juror, here, and we shouldn't lose right. jurors. I think it's a very important thing. Right. Uh, and again, when you hear the argument of getting rid of the jurors because they can't understand frauds or, or, or other such matters, we need to remind ourselves that uh, in this country, only 2% of criminal cases are tried by a jury. Wow. 98% are tried in the magistrate's court. Wow, I didn't so, even know that. Mm. Wow. So uh, I think the argument of getting rid of the jurors is, is, is one right. that should be resisted. Yeah. I mean, the... The, the, you know, someone exp explained this to me. And again, mm. I thought this might be a good movie. Yeah. But they said it started off with uh, uh, mobile phones, mm. and mobile phone chips mm. and computers. Yeah. And people would um, have a company here selling, uh, I don't know, mm. 100 phones or 1,000 phones to a company mm. somewhere else. Yeah. And then they'd then sell it. Someone else, then yeah. to let somebody else. That's it. The process go, so go, go round, goes round, and then and then at the end, like when the guy has to pay mm. 
mm. whatever is the tax or the VAT, mm. he would then disappear. But and 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 then and then but then apparently they were doing it with empty boxes. Mm. So even though they were saying it was computer chips mm. and phones mm. and computers, it was just empty boxes. But it's not just computer chips and phones. The the the, the processes, the the right. carousel fraud is involved. With. That's a good example of right. it. Um, but because at the end of the day, as I said before, someone then disappears, right. that then will reopen the that will open the investigation because there are ways of backtracking. Then they're, right. they're not infallible. So right. those that, that that describe them as you've described them and I've described more generally right. uh, shouldn't fall into the trouble thinking they are infallible. They're not. Right. They're, they're just uh, complex to have to unravel. Well you, well, you can see it go from there to there to there to there. So you just do a backtrack. Yeah. So it's not. Uh, it's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. But and and you don't have to be seen to have actively gained to be right. a guilty of fraud. It's it's right. it's whether you've acted fraudulently. Right, got it, got it, got it. Because that's the I know lots of people. Um, I mean, did they did they did a lot of people uh, go to jail for that? Did they? Yes, there, there, there was a, as I say, there's a trend of prosecution. Because I remember I remember reading about it, and I remember people talking about mm. it, but I I don't remember there being a big sort of you know like uh, you know there's a there's, with that Manchester Arena mm. thing, obviously mm. it was a, it's mm. terrible, but there there was so much press about that. There was mm. so much public interest mm. about that. But on that, it, it didn't seem that there was there was that much of a hoo ha. Well, it. I don't I, I don't think fraud for the uh, uh, the press, the media is sexy unless it's particularly a, a focus fraud uh, right. uh, for for broadcast. Uh, right. uh, you, you often get, and I've done the odd frauds whereby the individual involved is with right. an interesting individual, right. uh, but the fraud itself. Is is not something that stirs. I it's boring, isn't it? It's like you're sending money there to there to there to there, and you've not paid somebody, yeah. and they've run off with the money. I mean, it's not. And often, it's, and often, quite reprehensibly, it's a tax man that that suffers, and people don't right. have much sympathy there. Well, uh, and and also, but then the taxpayers get upset because it's got well, but they, well, they don't realise <laughs> that whether they, whether they should or shouldn't have sympathy. The right. fact is, is they at the end of the day that will suffer because of yeah. because of all this. But no, it it isn't a. It, it isn't usually the most sexy of cases. Right. You look at the amount of dramas, for instance, that are made about frauds. Yes, right. there are, but but you know everyone prefers a good juicy murder as a drama than right, a, right, than, right. than a. Yeah. You, know, you don't get midsummer fraud cases, do you? <laughs> Got a ring to it though. Maybe that's an idea. But you, you've also um, obviously have been doing this this career for a while. Also. Um, you know, written some television and some yes, theatre yeah. work. And, I saw uh, what you did. That's a nice link between Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, These things, you, you, this you isn't got just, me excited. This now. isn't just thrown together. Oh, yeah. th we've been thinking about this. Yes. Um, but no, it's uh, it's it is amazing, really. The, oh. um, uh, but but you think you know because of your expertise and I mean you must have a thousand stories that you could write about and tell, uh, and that's yeah. that's obviously what um, what excited me about having you on because because yeah. you know I think. Um, I think people, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, one of my good friends and one of my business partners um, is is uh, a lawyer and he works for Sullivan and Cromwell. Yeah. And sure. he wrote a script yeah. and he's always loved movies. Yeah. Um, and he wrote a script about um, about these guys from Manchester because he was from Moss Side originally. Okay, yeah. And like you, he was working class kid, yeah. council estate. Yeah. Wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. Become, become really successful. And he wanted to make this film about these guys from Manchester yes. who infiltrated American Express, impersonated the Crown Prince of Brunei, and stole twenty million pounds worth of dollars. Um, great, great story. story. Mm -hmm. And then we made it. And when it came out, a lot of the press were going, "This is ridiculous. It's never happened." You know, it's like, 
Oh Jack and Ori, blah, oh blah, blah. It's like, this is actually based <laughs> on... It is actually Played real, right into your hands. Played it, right into it your hands. It is a real yeah. story. But yeah. um, but for you, you know, the, the stuff that you've written for the mm, theatre and for, mm, mm, for television, mm, mm. Um, have you... Uh, have you uh, uh, what was your experiences with that? Well, well I... I wrote even before I qualified as a lawyer. I, I used to, I mean, I, as a kid, I, apart from kicking the door down at Wendy House, I used to write uh, scripts for uh, puppet theatre and shows. So I was always into storytelling. Right. Um, and uh, after a while, I got a, a first play performed at the Royal Court Theatre. Right. And then I had a play performed uh, at, at what was the Tricycle Theatre down in Kilburn. Then I right. got agents uh, represented by Independent Talent, a very yeah. good agency. Uh, I have a TV series, I have a TV film made. Right. Um, so uh, I, my writing uh, uh, has always been with me. Right. Uh, over the last few years, because my cases in the law have become more and more demanding of me, right. I've I really had to focus on that. And, right. and um, the track to becoming a QC, KC took right. over to a degree. But right. I'm coming back now and have been coming back now for some years, back to the writing field. Right. So when you went f from being a barrister to a, to a KC, mm. how long did that take? Was that was that uh, 10 years, 5 years, 20 years? It depends. I mean, for people like me, it takes a little longer because uh, uh, the establishment often like to resist people like me being right. let into the ranks. <laughs> uh, and I know that my anti-fox hunting stance caused a lot of trouble. Right. And I, I, I was actually, uh, it was indicated to me, not by officials, just generally in chit-chat that... Uh, I would never become a QC as long as I supported the anti-fox hunting movement, which wow. again made me all the more support the anti-fox hunting movement right. because my view was, uh, I'll, I'll do it on my terms and no one else's terms. Right. I mean, I emphasize that was just chit-chat with me right. uh, by with colleagues, nothing to do with the official organisation, but it was still... I think uh, because I'm quite outspoken on certain issues and right. I'm a bit left of centre in terms of my politics, I think that held me back a bit, right. but ultimately uh, I got it. Yeah. And uh, then once I have, I, and I've, I've been a silk now since 2010, so... Wow, 13 years. 13 years, wow. 13 years. Uh, and, 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 and so I'm well bedded into that now. And I, I started back with my writing some years ago now, and uh, much to the uh, relief of my agent, who was very <laughs> patient with me. Uh, got a potential, uh, got a novel coming out in the in the new year. Amazing. Uh, uh, but you know, I'm, you and I are going to be working on some stuff we together. Are. So are. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we, we watch this space. We've got some uh, great content coming. Uh, abs <laughs> uh, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I uh, 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 what excites me about the work I'm going to be doing uh, uh, with you is that as a writer, you're always told you have to write from your own experiences. Right. Write what you know. Yeah, absolutely. And. If you want to be a writer and say, you know, you 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 you, you do a, a, I don't know, a, however important the job, you you do a one-line, one-dimensional job. It's difficult to make a script out of it. But with me and the work I do, that's right. not to say it's not important. By the way, I would no. emphasize that. But 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 in in what I do, there's a wealth of stories there, you know. Yeah. And I'm in now, I'm now at the stage in my career where without uh, uh, breaching confidences, and it's obvious by the way I've been talking to you, I've been very careful yeah, of course. never to breach confidences, and I never will. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a wealth of, 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 of inspiration there. Absolutely. And, and, and do you know something? Yeah. I think you don't have to name names, you don't have to... Mm. But it's the stories, and yep. it's the circumstances, and it's the... And, and you know, I've always said this, um, truth is stranger than fiction. Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah, and, yeah. and people sometimes hear truth and they go... 
yeah, that would never happen. And then when I actually see it, and uh, you know, I've I've lived uh, an interesting life. I've met some interesting people. Indeed, you have. Yeah. And 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 like yourself. And, and I think as you go through life, <coughs> that you can't meet enough interesting people. No, absolutely right. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 it's and it's sort of like when you collaborate with people that have you know got great and it is great content. You know, uh, and 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 I think one of the things that's sort of damaged. The, the air industry right now, and when I'm talking about air industry, I'm talking about film and television, Ooh. is that this sort of wokeness is meaning, again, uh, they're saying to actors, you can only play yourself. You can't play any other types. You can't play any other characters. You know, you have to cast this person in this part. You know, it's even got to the point where, you know, if you're an actor of colour yeah. and... They're saying, well, you know, if you're going to play Nigerian, you have to have a Nigerian. You can't have a Jamaican, or you can't sure, have, sure. you know. So, so it's it's getting so ridiculous. And then when they're doing their scripts, they're becoming politicians. They're trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, and I think, and, and, and it's the same as a, with a writer. Sometimes you're, right. you're you're all the more conscious now as a writer not to write outside your own experiences. Right. Uh, and sometimes, you know, that that's that's difficult because if you look at Shakespeare. You look at some, uh, some of the great novelists. Right. They, 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 they're writers. They use their experiences not just of themselves, but of of the people they've met. For Absolutely. instance, I think that's important for a writer. I mean, things were pretty bad back in the eighties, though, and I don't condone that. I remember going to see Othello, right. uh, my favourite uh, Shakespeare right. play. I was involved playing Iago, and those that right. know the play know that he's one of Shakespeare's darkest villains. Right. And you wonder where I got it from. <laughs> Uh, but I went to see a production of, uh, of Othello back in the 80s. It was the Nottingham Playhouse, was it? Maybe. Right. Uh, and Donald Sindon, the great white actor, right. was playing Othello but blacked up. Right. And even then, right. you felt uneasy looking at it. Right. Even when it was still going on. Yeah. Before the perfectly important and proper condemnation of, 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 of blackface, as it's called, came in. It looked bad. Yeah. It looked awkward. And more than that, or not probably not more than that, but in addition to that, it looked silly. Right. And we as kids, we're about 16, 17. It so takes you started out Started giggling it. at it. It's funny, it, 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 it looks. And I know it's, I think, uh, uh, that others have commented on this as well, that famous production mm. when Donald Sindon, I'm sure it was Donald Sindon, blacked his face up and uh, it, 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 it didn't even look like proper skin. It looked like literally... Boot polish. Right. So we've come on uh, important steps from that. Absolutely. That's the first thing to say. But uh, I think actors are actors and uh, writers are writers. They should be trusted within reason. Absolutely. And uh, I, I mean, a friend of mine <coughs> who's an Oscar winner yeah. did a film called Golda Meyer yeah. with Helen Mirren, yes. who's an Oscar winner. Yes. <coughs> and she's not Jewish, he is. And um, they went to the Berlin Now Festival, it was entering yeah. competition. Yeah. And every journalist just wanted to know why he'd cast a non-Jewish person in a Jewish character. They basically just cancelled the film. And, you know, he, he didn't have to take it out of Cannes, to take it out of Venice. And obviously that film he spent three or four years of his life developing, put his heart and soul into it. But because of this new, new, sort of new woke agenda, um, and, and, you know, Dame Maureen Lippmann come out and was, was sort of saying, how can Helen Mirren play this part? She's not Jewish. And then Helen Mirren's comeback was... You know, you're Jewish, 
But you've always played non-Jewish characters. Well, isn't this big debate? I mean, it's it's a Bradley Cooper. Isn't this big debate about he's got a prosthetic nose? Uh, and <laughs> is he is he playing Bernstein? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And there's this big debate that why has he got the prosthetic nose? And yet there are sometimes good points to the argument that's being made, and this is what makes it interesting. Right. The debate started with why give this man a prosthetic nose simply because he's playing, I think it's Bernstein. Um, it is. Uh, it uh, is. Uh, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, uh, give the man a break. It's, it, it's entitled to the prosthetics. But then it was that, that, that then it was said that he didn't necessarily need them in other parts that he played. Right. Uh, uh, and, 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 and then I'm thinking, well, why wear the prosthetic then if you yeah. didn't wear it on another occasion? So I can understand how it can be offensive right. to people. And it's a diff it is a difficult, difficult area. Uh, I think the only people that... It's like if you're looking to be offended, yes. you can always find the offence. Yeah. And what, what was interesting about that whole Bradley mm. Cooper wearing yeah. the nose, yeah. everyone went, oh, he's got the big nose because he's playing a Jew, right? But then the family said... No, if you actually look at pictures of Bradley Cooper and mm. look at pictures of my dad, when he has the, the, the slightly mm. bigger nose, mm. he looks more like my dad. So as an actor, obviously, you want to look like that person. Yeah, no, sure, absolutely. When, when, I, yeah. when I played yeah. that Tony Tucker character... Oh, did you, did you wear anything I had to like wear a silly wig and a muscle suit, right? <laughs> and, and I, I was, thought that was you worked out. It wasn't me. Yeah, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But, but again, I put it on and I, I actually said, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever worn in my life. Yeah. And they said, that's what he looked like. I used to call him Wiggy. Did you ever meet him? I never met him, uh, but when I looked uh, at the picture, I went, oh, my God, it, it does look, yeah. you do look similar. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. as an actor, yeah. you know, if you want to be offended by that, you go, you're doing that because he's Jewish, he's got a big mm, nose. Mm, mm. But it's not that, it's because he wanted to look like him. But, so it's, but it's the, a, issue, the issue is it's, it's a shame, I'm not going on one side or the other on the argument, right. But it's a shame that that's the debate about what about it is a bloody good film. Well, it shouldn't be. Yeah, you but, know. That's, but that's so when you look at Helen Mirren's performance yeah. as Golda Meir yeah. in this film, yeah. she looks like Golda Meir. She's, her performance is unbelievable. And you sort of think this film has essentially been, you know, cancelled or, or stopped from getting the acclaim it deserves mm. just because somebody doesn't like the fact that somebody. But if you imagine um, Daniel Day Lewis now. Yeah. <clears throat> Playing that character in my left mm, foot, mm, you mm. know that wouldn't be allowed. No, sure. So sure. it's so, but 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 the thing is, the, the thing that I'm concerned about is, it's like art. If you go and look at uh, a piece of art, mm. you might hate that piece of art, but I might mm. love it. Yeah. But it doesn't matter, That's right? Sure. And it's the same with a film. It's the same with a TV show. It's the same mm. with an actor. And I genuinely think that the fear I have is that all this stuff, it's it's making again, like I was saying, everyone's tiptoeing around. Mm. They don't know what to mm. say. They don't know whether they can have an opinion, mm. if that then, you know, affects the writing and everyone's writing this stuff, well, uh, it, it sort uh, of it make, it stifles the creativity. Writing is being affected by it, and, and, and it's a balance that has to be struck here. So I'm not saying right or wrong either side, yeah. but a balance has to be struck. Because writers yeah. nowadays, I know, right. are writing either in scripts or in novels, and they're being ultra careful right. about what characters they deploy, yeah. and they're even re-editing their work Right. Taking out characters that they feel that they are now in the present environment uh, going to be criticised for writing. Right. So, and, and I just think it's a shame that writers are having to do this. But also, when you take your book mm. or your TV mm. show or your film, mm. if you're asking them for money or you're, you want to mm. get a commission, <coughs> they will say, <coughs> you know, 
you need to change this, you need to change that. Because they're also worried because, and it's like you've got to look in a crystal ball because as we know, what's offensive today, right? You know, things that aren't offensive today in six months or a year's time could be massively offensive. Well, you know, it, so it, it's it, like, how do you know what to write? And it, bring, that's what's it, bring, people... it brings us on to another issue, going back to, to, to the legal stuff, linking into the, the drama, that there's some educational institution, well, certainly was some educational institution, that put a trigger warning on criminal law right. courses. <laughs> in the sense that certain things will be discussed during the analysis of criminal law, which you may find offensive. Right. And I'm just thinking that's going to... It's a bit like trigger warnings being given for Romeo and Juliet and Coriolanus and, and, and a lot of other uh, 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 pieces which, which I disapprove of. Right. But trigger warnings in relation to the criminal law... I mean, the very nature of the fact you're studying criminal law means there's going to be some things in there that are going to be quite uh, uh, stressful. The, the only trigger warning I'd give is don't do it if, they, if that's how you're going to be. Well a, f well, a friend of mine runs a hotel chain yeah. and he had a Christmas party and he got 200 of his staff. He had a DJ playing yeah. pop music, yeah. chant music, rap music, whatever. And uh, on that sh on, on that, uh, after the event, H, his HR department had three complaints saying that they'd been triggered by a song that the DJ played that they found offensive and they needed time off work to deal with being triggered. And you just sort of think, are these people actually being serious or are they just using it because they want a few days off, you know? And it, it just... I, I know nothing of the facts of, of that particular right. instance, but, the, right. but all, I, all I do know is that as a writer, there are more pressures on a writer right. as i think the are on an actor hmm. to to ensure that you're acting in such a way that won't cause outrage yeah. and 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 sometimes that goes too far yeah. but uh, i'm sure in the in the work we're going to do together we yeah. shall be we, we, we shall be absolutely perfect. Well, I mean, well, your background and my background means it's going to be a fairy story. <laughs> it's going to be an, no trouble, no drama, no, no violence. No, it just it it'd be it'd be like the Barbie movie, but better. Oh, it will. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, contrary to popular belief, I don't write dark, violent movies. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've we've act, we're actually in the process of uh, creating a platform. Um, because, you know, the independent sort of sector, um, you know, has, has, has had a, a bit of a tough time and a lot of the mm. streaming platforms and a lot of the um, studios uh, are obviously culling staff mm. and, and they're, they're now in this sort of phase where they probably hit their maximum growth. Yes. Um, they are obviously looking to expand into other areas, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I think... Um, the days of them spending what they've been spending on content is going to change. Mm. And I also think um, there's definitely been a switching off. You know, lots of people that I know have unsubscribed from things because they're watching it and they're, they're not happy with uh, what they're getting. They're, they're, they're saying, that, you know, the, the adverts they don't like, the content they don't like. And, and I think that there's an old saying, you know, go woke, go broke. And I think that... I, I, I like diversity and I like parts of the woke stuff because mm. I think it's important that everybody has a fair chance and everybody can get on and everybody sure, can absolutely. have an opportunity. Yeah, sure. but, but I think some of it 
has gone too far. A friend of mine said the other day, he said, sometimes it has to go too far to then be oh, brought back. As in, the loss, as, as in the loss of law, that as well. But uh, I, I wonder how they'd find the Foot Soldier uh, series of films. Well, d this is what I'm worried about. It ain't about. woke, mate. This is what I'm worried I've about. I've got to you tell know, you that now. In the next couple <laughs> of years, are, we gonna, are they going to all get cancelled? Are they going to, you know... No, the style will turn back again. Look, there's still stuff out there like Peaky Blinders. There's still stuff out there like Gags of London. Right. There's still places for these things. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, well, I've, I've got to say, John, I've, I've found today fascinating. It's been really good fun talking to you. It's and been hearing, great. Hearing, hearing about your story. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Criminal Connection. Um, Professor John Cooper Casey, I mean, what a great guest. I mean, what an insight into the legal profession. Um, hopefully, um, he'll be coming back on because we're going to have some content that we need to discuss with you. So stay tuned, and I'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.